My Mum Made Me, the show about the wonderful and sometimes the weird ways in which our mums make us who we are today. Nick is someone that I've known for a couple of years. He goes professionally by the moniker of Neo10Y and is a non-binary, multidisciplinary recording artist. Now, the interesting thing about Nick's mum is that she actually had to flee Uganda many decades ago um, following a very tragic and well-documented activity under Idi Amin, where he expelled a whole bunch of people from the country. Nick's mum, uh, her sort of journey, her bravery, her fortitude in moving to a new country and, and raising him is a, such a wonderful story and well-documented in this episode. My mum's name is Jay and yeah, she's amazing. We're good friends. Mm. Like, we get along really well. So yeah. I like my mom. Paint is a mental picture of Jay. Okay, so she's quite iconic, but because she had like, I what is in my perception? And you see, I called her before this, and I was like, "Mom, I'm doing this podcast," <laughs> and she was like, "Well," and I told her like what sort of you told me this was going to be like, and so she's like really chilled, and I was like, "Yeah," but I think that to me, her childhood is traumatic, right? Okay, my perception of it. Right. But she's like, is it that bad? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it, it was because she had to like, she had to, her immigration story is like nuts mm. to me, right? Because okay. I've had a very stable mm. existence on planet Earth. I didn't have to like upend on the whim of a political change. In So my mom grew up in a country called Uganda, which mm. is in Africa, and she had to, and her whole family, and my dad and his family, when they were in their teens, had to leave. This um, is Idi Amin's doing. It, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Like leave like on very short notice and come to the UK. Mm. And she had to go via Athens and Amsterdam and like all of these like European cities to just to get here because she didn't have like, there was like paperwork stuff. And it just sounds like a lot That's to deal same. with. And I think that, like generation sometimes they've gone through like so much more than us like mm. at least in terms of that sort of stuff like mm. whereas it, it must leave like quite an intense feeling you know a couple of questions why did she choose if it was a choice the uk and what more can you tell us about she was sort of her le settling? less than 16 so she wow. didn't have a choice she it was just had to go safe yeah. haven yeah. yeah yeah so she had to just go with her little sister and she didn't have a mom. <laughs> so oh it was just, she me. had a dad and like his family. But like, yeah, she didn't have a choice to come here. She just, this was like something that, but the political climate was getting really bad over there. So basically people were starting to get killed already. Yeah. And there was a deadline you see. So, yeah. and I don't know if you've seen The Last King of Scotland, yeah. but that's a very good like depiction of what went down. So it's like, you're given a certain number of days notice and you have to leave the country. Mm. Otherwise you get literally shot. <laughs> like that's, that's so intense so to me insane. that's so intense because no one's ever threatened to shoot me can you imagine if i said that's what i said to my mom i was like i was like but if the queen just suddenly said that to us now today yeah. here to me that would be a trauma no matter what age i was at but i think when you're yeah. a kid you just go with the flow and i think that she had that and like that was probably a good thing you know and talk to us about the sort of the transition almost if it is a transition from this brave 14 15 year old jay yeah 
to the Jay we know a little bit of now who yeah. plays golf uh, yeah, every yeah. weekend. So that's what I mean. It's quite iconic. But both my parents in that sense, like okay. I look at them and I'm just like, how did you do that as human, like human being to human? Listen, I've come to London. Like I gave, I was like born in London and I was like, I say I come like to planet, like yeah. I like, came to this planet. So I have come here and I'm like being a pop star and like enjoying my existence. But at the same time, with a purpose to like, mm. to help manifest a protopian dimension of peace on planet earth. Mm. So like that's, but I feel like my parents had to like come and upend and like be immigrants and all of this sort of stuff. And yeah. I find that so like wild to me. And I think going from that to like my dad now and my mom now and who they are is like completely different, you know. And so much of the way you describe your mom and indeed your dad's experience I guess has had an impact, it clearly had an impact on you, both emotionally, but also, I guess, in the person you've become now yeah. and perhaps some, even some of your politics. Yeah, so I think that they have had a really massive impact on me because I was brought up to be anti-racist. Like racism, as someone who is Indian, right, I have understood the scale of racism at a really early age, right? So you understand oppression, you also understand that someone is an oppressor. And there's a difference between feeling oppressed and understanding that there is an oppressor in mm. society, right? And this exists across like all of the different intersections of like racism, colorism, gender, like sexuality, like all of this stuff. Like there's an oppressor and there's someone who's being oppressed. And I think I just learned that really early mm. with my parents. And so from, I've always from been- them had, yeah, From experience? No, from them and, yeah. from, and okay. from lived experience, for sure. Right. Like. I say this, I'm like, okay, because we're, this is a podcast about my mom, right? Mm. So that's why I'm talking to you about like their impact on me. But mm. then I think that, you know, like that stuff, I learned really like early on. So I had deconstructed a lot of the stuff that other people take so long to deconstruct mm. in society from quite an early age. And I think that's always just made me like a nicer person and a more understanding and compassionate human being. And I think that has come from my mom and my parents for sure. Yeah. Okay. Your mom sort of reflecting on you now as an adult, you as an artist, you as an activist, how has she processed and how does she relate to all of those different facets of you? I think that they really like it. I think that they feel like, you know, I am them, you know, mm. and they see it. They might not get to live it through my being exactly at this moment, but I feel like astrally they're living it. And I feel like, like spiritually, they're living my experience, right? And my dad, it's like, I show him early demos. You see, I write on the piano that's in their house. Wow. So Stand Yourself, Shortcut to Well Peace, IRY, they were all written at my parents' house. So they'd heard them before they were kind of released. They hear them, they hear them, they hear the first people to hear them, generally Amazing. speaking, because they hear me messing around for hours on the same song, like sometimes on an instrument, like on the piano, on the guitar, like learning the song. Because once I've written it, you, like writing it is like for me, it comes, it's a download, right? Yeah. Straight in from the universe yeah. a lot of the time. And I get about like between a half and two thirds of a song in one major download. And then the rest is refinement. And like, sometimes, mm. you know, like I get the re like a bridge later on. I don't know where stuff changes in the studio as well. So like, but they, yeah, they get to witness it. And I feel very close to them for that, you know? Cause mm. sometimes I have this like realization, you know, when you realize that you're a sack of cells, does that ever like, Floating in outer space. Yeah, like this sort of weird existential, kind of existential crisis. Yeah. yeah. So like, I feel like when I'm with them, if I like smoke loads of weed and I get really high and I'm at the piano and I'm like 
playing piano and then I'm like thinking about them and I just realized that I'm like they made me that yeah. those floating yeah. sack of cells in outer space yeah. literally made They're a me. part of you. Yeah. Mm. And I am literally there. Mm. You know what I mean? So like but it's good but also I'm completely like possessed by this like Sagittarian nature and let's bear in mind my parents and my siblings they're all Capricorns like I'm like the only one who is like this like crazy like cerebrally aggressive world peace activist slash pop star you know yeah, what i mean like yeah. that i'm the only one in the family who's doing it i'm the only one who's been like why aren't you all vegan yet you know like and I'm, what's their reaction they're all becoming vegan like finally you're you winning know what I mean? the war. it's only taken six years but like slowly <laughs> like everyone's different right some people became vegan overnight i've turned people vegan in two weeks i've turned people vegan like from an internet video from a like a piece of act you know what i mean like what's that. your trick it's my superpower turning people vegan is my superpower 100 okay. percent. it's literally it's not even just my superpower it's literally my purpose yeah and it's good because my mom taught me to cook and she is she taught me to cook vegetarian gujarati cuisine oh, wow. since i was a very young child and so, so that's equipped you as well. so she definitely helped me like be a good vegan chef or like yeah. set me on my vegan chef journey for sure so you've got the power of persuasion and the power of cooking and together you're kind of like this sort of transformative vegan pussy. god. Yeah, no, oh, wow. I, I, no, I'm joking. No, I, I do. No, it is like, it's my skill. It's yeah. one of my skills. Yeah. And I have the power of persuasion and the power of like love energy. Mm. And yeah, I just say that as a joke because I've turned all my like exes vegan as well, but they'll stay. They'll stay vegan, but yeah. like we won't be together. So <laughs> do you know what I mean? But, but you've that's left good. a legacy. Yeah, you've, yeah, I mean, no, that's your we're all still friends, them. but like, you know, do I have like a bunch of exes who are vegan now for sure? But also, you know, like my siblings, the people who love my music and love mm. my art and like Neo 10 Y fans are like my soul, you see. So yeah. that's where I have the deepest connection with human beings that are strangers is through Neo 10 Y. It's not through Nick. It's not through like anything else that I've done. It's just through, it's through the music, right? Because mm. the music is the universe. And mm. I just, um, like proxy as like a vessel that happens to be doing it at this moment in time. In the kitchen, we grew up on Motown and thing, and I know like all the Motown songs. Amazing. So, so it was her and my dad who were like, those kids need to learn instruments. So that's what was really good. But also I was a sick singer and I don't know how, I just always had the confidence to sing and I was in the choir and I was lead choir boy. And then I lost out on a music scholarship and it really like messed with me. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause I was like, oh, I was rejected. And I had like a weird like relationship with the instrument after that, right? And then I kind of quit for a bit. And then I reclaimed my connection with the piano through writing. Mm. And so that's where like, now it's but when i get really good downloads and really good like powerful songs like mm. for world peace that they come when i'm at a piano or mm. on the guitar does and your mom get the political side of you and your music yes a bit of hesitation i wish that that's what it's the whole like why aren't you vegan yet to everyone that i have right right so but the vegan is just one no part but it's not it's such an integral part because it's love energy and anything mm. that's non-vegan and the whole of animal agriculture it's not love, energy, it's exploitation and oppression, mm. right? And violence. Mm. And speciesism is the root of all oppression. Mm. So if you want to put it on like a scale of human beings and animals and sentience on the planet, then there's your answer of what love is, right? Mm. So that's like really simple one word answer for it, right? But then the deeper, more political ramifications are world hunger mm. because the amount of food it takes to feed a bunch of animals for the greed of non-vegans, we so, we cut all of that out and world hunger is literally solved overnight. We can solve it, mm. right? And then we have 
pandemics and zoonotic diseases, monkeypox, etc. All of these are caused by the actions of non-vegans. And then we have just general individual and collective health and immunity. And then we have the cleanliness of the water systems, environmental racism, because the people who are predominantly affected by the actions of non-vegans and animal agriculture specifically are coastal city flooding, and that's black and brown people in African India. And then we have the people who live near slaughterhouses and are forced to be slaughterhouse workers mm. who suffer from PTSD and poisoning of their water systems, right? Mm. So all of that is again caused by animal agriculture, mm. which is something that no one actually needs because everything can be made vegan. My philosophy is peace and ahimsa, which is nonviolence. And that has come from my mom as well because she taught mm. me yoga and she taught me meditation. And she sent me to an art of living course when I was a teenager. Mm. And I was like a faulty teenager. <laughs> she sent me to a spiritual meditation retreat, essentially. And I f became so much more connected with the universe then. But it takes more time to like get connected as well. I'm just here to like amp it up and speed up for human beings that get to experience me in this reality because that's my purpose is to have this ripple effect, is to help people understand consciousness, is to help people understand that love energy is the shortcut to world peace. And how much did she educate herself on all of the things that she has given you? So you mentioned yoga, you mentioned retreats, you mentioned meditation. Were those things that were just very natural to Jay as she was growing up or did she sort of learn those things and pass them down to you. I guess she found those tools, right? Mm. And passed them to us. And my brother does Kung Fu, whereas right. I'm more like yoga and Kundalini mm. yoga and just crazy body stuff. But like, I do handstands every day, for example. And mm -hmm. so like, my mom is very like, she goes upside, she's upside down every day. At some form, she does a headstand or handstand every day. So like all of that stuff, she's definitely like passed it down oh. to us. Going back to one of the things you were saying earlier on, I'm definitely with you on the importance of, for want of a better phrase, changing our behavior and mm. our patterns. And veganism is a great example of that for all the reasons that you said. But how do you sort of take that message and that truth and persuade someone that I grew up with, let's say in Bradford? Didn't you say you grew up in a vegan household? I grew up in a vegan household, yeah. but like in the late 80s in the north of England. Yeah. Like, how do you sort of package all of that you said in a way that kind of perhaps relates to... Everyone else. Everyone. Yeah. But I think that it's so simple because the message is love, energy, right? And the concept. And I think that's what I can do is I can make this message so simple mm. because I just say, choose love. Mm. Everyone from the history, since the history of time, the Beatles... Like the Dalai Lama, even though the Dalai Lama is not vegan, and I will continue to call him out on platforms because I find it like wild that, <laughs> that someone can me. have such a massive spiritual ascension on planet Earth and be non-vegan. It's like you're missing literally the whole point of everything. So that proves that it's ego or whatever. Like that proves that there's like a, this is why I'm here because there's no one like me. And this is the thing. It's like when Neo 10Y came to form. So six years I've been Neo 10Y and I am the pop star that never existed, like, because no one has existed like me. No one has my philosophies. No one is doing it in the visual and sonic soundscape that I'm doing it. And no one has the message like this. And it just like surprises me. But you know what? That's the best part of it because that means I literally have a career until I die. Thank <laughs> the universe. So I'm very grateful for that. 
Because all the, if there was like loads of me's walking around, then do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. where's my USP? Because, but it still astounds me that I'm on planet Earth in 2022 and that we just had a gay footballer come out. Yeah. It's like, what planet are we on? Like, it's so weird to me. Yeah. Like, I thought these things happened, but they haven't. What was, if there was such a thing, naughty Nick like as a kid? What were the mischievous moments and how did Jay kind of like deal with you? You know what? The tears, I wasn't that naughty. Mm. I'm a straight A student. I have a postgrad. I'm a polyglot. I speak five, six languages. Which five? I speak obviously English. Yeah. I speak French fluently. Wow. Je parle couramment français, espagnol. I speak Spanish. I speak like Portuguese, but like como uma carioca. So like kind of like a Rio sort of okay. vibe. Like okay. stoner, Brazilian I can speak. Got it. And then I can speak like basic Italian and German and then Gujarati, which is my native tongue. So I don't that's, that's probably more deep, than five. I don't know. Okay, I wasn't <laughs> yeah. counting, but yeah. like, I'm just impressed. Yeah, there's a lot of languages, but I wish I could still speak more. I have to look on Google Translate to translate Japanese quite often because yeah. I have a lot of fans in Japan now. So uh-huh. this is the thing. It's my third biggest Apple music market. So I'm really excited to go there soon. And you know like me. I've never been to Tokyo. What, do you, been what do you think Neo 10 fan in Japan is going to be like? What's your kind of like? Neo 10 Y fans. Neo 10 Y fans in Japan. Well, they're from Apple Music. And I, I know what they're like because they like me because of my kind of hybrid anime, subversive anime aesthetic. Mm. Right. But they like the sound. Right. So that that's mm. what, where the connection is. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. But it's just like queer kids in Japan. Yeah. Like who are like, oh, this. British artist is unhinged. Please let me stand. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the question though. So fine, you were not a naughty kid, but what would you do that would sort of irk Jay or she's just, you know, she tells a story where she just sighed and we'd have to bite her tongue. I think I was probably, when I came out, I was a bit more obnoxious because I I came out like quite defensively as a bisexual, I would say. Mm. And I was like, oh, obviously I'm bisexual because why wouldn't I be? Like, it's, <laughs> I'm I'm not like, you know, I was like, everyone else is deluded. Like, everyone's bisexual. That's like, everyone's like, straightness doesn't exist. And I, to a certain extent, I still a little bit, I'm like that today. Mm. But I think that that was probably my most obnoxious era. But I don't think she was like mad at me. They're very like, understanding and listening and they never got mad at me about anything. And I think that, if anything, if I had come out like a normal person, very like calmly, it might, well, everyone's story is different, but like, maybe that would have been like more chill. But I think it's just part of my personality, isn't it? Like mm. you said, I'm, um, what did you just call You're me? You're asking me to compliment you again, No, 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 you? You, but you said the word. Like, <laughs> radical, that, radical, there you go. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that is like, my views on gender and sexuality are also quite radical because yeah. I am like, hello, oneness. Like everyone, the majority is pansexual. The majority is bisexual. The majority is non-binary. Like, this is the T like human beings have been categorized so heavily just to like divide us. And it's just like, how do we like undo all of that violence is by being at one and understanding that bisexuality is a normal curiosity is normal and feeling yourself and the the whole of the universe flow through you as oneness means that everyone's non-binary. What would Jay say to that? She agrees. They've, I've mm. tested, you see, I've had all these conversations with the people closest to me, like mm. many times, but they all know where I stand. They all know that I'm like, I am the universe. Yeah. And they know that I'm, you know, they've seen me 
with multiple genders and they understand like I've grown up on as a club kid like all of my friends are gender benders anyway mm. so like we've always been like this I want to tell you a little bit just to take a bit of a break about my mum so the one thing we share is our well let's just say love of vegans my sister and my mum are in fact now vegan and obviously you're a huge vegan campaigner but this is not the story that I want to tell you about my mum the story I want to say about my mum is she in later life has in some respects, doubled down on her eccentricity. And I love bringing her down to London for many different reasons. One of them is because she's very sort of strictly vegan and she's got celiacs. And so we have to be very careful and sort of decisive about where we eat. So I get to experience loads of really cool places and different cuisines. And that's fantastic. There was one time where she'd come down to London and we planned to go to Kew Gardens. And I kind of think she didn't want to go. So we got on the tube and she's been on the tube hundreds of, hundreds of times. As soon as the tube started going, Nick, she stood up and started yelping. She said, oh, it's going sideways. Oh, I'm not used to this, whatever. And I was like, oh my God, this is really terrible. I feel like a bad son. So we sat her down. We got off one stop, which was Stratford. We then had a day out in Stratford Westfield, which was weird because, you know, people don't do that. People do do that, but, you know, whatever. And then came home. And that evening... It was the most bizarre evening of my life. I'd invited two friends to come to dinner with her, mainly because a lot of my mum doesn't know any of my friends. And I think that's true for a lot of like parents, particularly as their as their kids become adults. So two friends arrived. She, I think, went for a walk partly out of nervousness and then sort of like bursting through the door. And she said, I've, I've seen a fox. I've seen a fox and I took photos of it. And she sort of got my out of camera and started showing my friends these photos of this fox that she'd seen, which looked a little bit like a kind of Blair Witch Project shaky camera kind of like thing. And they were very sort of like confused by this whole thing. And I said, okay, well, that's great. And, she said, and I saw I saw a woman across the road and I shouted, Renard, Renard at her. And I was like, what? well, you will know this because you speak French. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? Why did you shout that? And she's like, well, you know, that's French for fox. And I was like, well, why did you think she was French? Well, she never looked Russian. And then she sort of like rushed everyone into the dining room where we all sat down. She was extolling the virtues of veganism. One of my friends, Bertie, was, I think, sort of trying to agree with her by saying, oh, you know, Jesus Christ, it's just insane that we eat so much meat. And she goes, don't you don't you use his name in vain. I'm going to stop you there. You wouldn't say Allah. You wouldn't say in the name of Muhammad. You're using this saying blasphemously. And he sort of like crumbles. What did they um, say? He was like, Jesus Christ. Oh, you know, right. I can't believe people sleep me. The evening went on in this vein, basically. This sort of like kind of madness yeah. enveloped in kind of her. It was very much her evening. We were kind of all just living it. They loved it. And there is a sort of question I want to ask you in this. So having sort of gone through this brief episode, as I've recounted it with my mum, what would have been your kind of reaction at each stage? Okay, so I think that, and I'll say this, because I think that now everyone on this planet is about to turn vegan because mm. we will be a majority soon and enforced veganism is a reality that is impending. So with that confidence, I would like to instill my wisdom in this scenario and say that you will be angry, maybe, when you become vegan for the first time. Mm. Because you will realise what you were doing, what you were duped into doing, what everyone else is duped into doing, the horrors of what actually happens in animal agriculture. And it will make you angry and it will make you upset, potentially. And you will have to forgive not only yourself, but all of the current non-vegans. Do you think you get along with my mom, knowing what you know about her? 
about her sort of like passion for veganism. Yeah, I smiled then. I was really happy when you said that. I love passionate vegans because I feel very alone sometimes mm. and I connect with them online and I connect with them. When I meet a passionate vegan in real life, I get really happy because I just, do you know what I mean? Like I feel like we have shared purpose and mm. I think I feel really united with someone over shared purpose. The question that I always ask my guests is obviously the biopic question. So they're making a film of Jay's life. Who's playing her? What type of film is it? So I had this chat with my mom, uh-huh. and I will explain to you my thought process is that immediately there is a severe lack of representation of South Asian women mm. in the UK mm. and in the UK media and the UK films and the UK like TV, right? So the thing is with my mom, she was like a little cutie when she was young. So she could have been played the 16-year-old version of her that had to come to the UK, like that, her immigration trauma story, right? That, who would have played that is like your, whatever, your latest Bollywood starlet, okay? Mm. So that's who would have played the young one. And then the older version of my mom, for sure, like even like Mira Sayal or Mm. someone who's a really good actor, but also looks like my mom, I think, you know, in an older version. And I think someone like that would be amazing to play my mom. And I ran these past her and she said, yeah. There is like even a scene in the last King of Scotland. There's like this little girl and little Indian girl in the back of a bus, like, and it looks quite, she's by herself. And I was like, Oh my God, I cried then when I watched that movie. Mm. Cause I was like, Oh, that's my mom. Like in the film, that was like the version of my mom. And I just like, yeah, I just think that it's actually like, like I said before, I think it's wild what they've gone through. And I think they should make a biopic about it for sure. Final question for <laughs> me, actually about you. What are we going to see next? So I have a new single coming out on the 10th of the 10th, which I'm not going to say the name of just yet because I have to keep that sometimes like quiet until like the last minute. Yeah. Just because it's a really good concept. Because, you know, like with my yeah, songs, yeah. like I have like songs with like big concepts and I just don't want to like blow it early because the name is almost like the idea sometimes. Yeah. And so I'm finishing that. I'm in the studio tomorrow finishing that. Because I want like give it a really like long birthing promo. I'm really really excited about it. It's the first I would say like love song about a person that oh, wow. I've written instead of like a love song as a concept about Do they know? the universe. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh amazing. For sure. Yeah yeah. This is like I have a muse. I'm very inspired. Wow. I'm very grateful. I do have actually one final question, and my mum would kill me for not asking this, so I must ask it. Please. Favorite vegan meal made at home. Oh, you see, I love a rainbow salad Mm. and I choose all of the colors of the rainbow. So I actually make rice with blue spirulina, like bright blue spirulina, like proper like blue, blue. And then I I will do like spinach, which is like green and then like cucumbers and edamame beans. And then I'd have pomegranate for that, like really like astral, like pinkness, you know, I think that's really beautiful. And then for tomatoes, I do like red tomatoes and yellow tomatoes. And then... Orange, I would do, it depends. Sometimes I would do shaved carrot and sometimes I will have like slices of clementines in it because I like to mix my fruit with the salad. I also have add blueberries and then sometimes like, you know, purple radish or like, but I don't, I don't put beetroot straight in because it smudges all the other colors, but I've learned this the hard way you see. So that for like purple, you have to like find like different things as well. And like, also you can make the blue spirulina in a purple. So there's like lots of little tricks if you want to make a really good rainbow salad. And then I love a protein, like a plant protein. So if there's anyone that's listening to this, I know we've talked about veganism a lot, but like, honestly, just remember that meat is just a concept and truly 
plants, you can replicate anything and any taste that you want with a plant. And so I love to like be experimenting with plant proteins. And I think they're really fun and they're really good source of like healthiness. And you can make it with like peas and you can make it with wheat and you can make it with seitan. There's so many things that you can do. And there are amazing shops. If you're in London, there's a shop called the plant-based store in Elephant and Castle. And they'll anything, if you're like converting to veganism or you feel inspired after listening to us talk today, then just like go and check out this store and like, you know, like have some fun in the kitchen with like plant-based stuff. And I think that you'll like, you'll never look back. Well, words of wisdom from a very wise man, Nick Thakar, Neo Tenwai. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.